Welcome to Ruminating Round the Table. I'm your host, Dr. Meredith Harrison, Lead Scientific Advisor at Sealock Inc. This is our new Sustainability Spotlight series, the best place for anyone who is wanting to learn more about what is new in the emission and feed efficiency world. We will be interviewing industry professionals, grad students with their latest research, and creating a place to share tips and tricks for the research world. Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Ruminate Round the Table. I'm your host, Dr. Meredith Harrison, Lead Scientific Advisor for Sealock Inc. I'm excited to introduce our first podcast guest today, soon to be Dr. Mallory Honan, a former colleague from UC Davis and the current product lead for Symbrosia. Hi Mallory, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me here. So Mallory, I remember first meeting you in the animal science ABG 200 class. Uh, Gosh, it's crazy how time flies. Do you remember that several years ago? Yes, I can't believe it's already four years ago now this fall, like which is a short time, but at the same time, so much has happened since then and we've come so far. Who would have thought from, you know, showing up at UC Davis starry-eyed PhD students that we'd be in these (laughs) industry roles today. Yeah, I would be probably really relieved and excited (laughs) and probably would have helped me get through some challenging times of the PhD, but I'm glad I'm finally at the tail end of it. So Mallory, from growing up in upstate New York to Vermont, your undergrad, your time at Vermont for your master's, you know, where in there really started your your passion for agriculture and that you knew you wanted to pursue ruminant research? That's a really good question because I don't come from an agricultural background at all. I grew grew up in a small village that was really on the outskirts of New York dairy country. And I remember we had a fifth grade field trip to Minor Research Center in Shazy, New York, and they had their officiated cattle and they had all the fifth graders put on shoulder shoulder uh, length gloves and had us all put our arms in the cow. And I remember thinking, why would anyone ever do this? I just remember that field day and fast forward uh, maybe, maybe 10 or so years, I'm interning at a lab at UVM, University of Vermont, that partners with Minor. And then I'm actually collecting urban fluid samples there. So it was kind of full circle within there. So I grew up in an area that was great to learn about agriculture, despite not coming from the background myself. I did go to University of Vermont with the intention of being a small animal veterinarian. But to expand my knowledge, I started or I reached out to work in the nutrition lab under Dr. Sabrina Greenwood. And she thoughtfully accepted, and I got to work on a trial where we fed coffee grounds to dairy cattle, and we studied the protein profile of their milk. And that really triggered my interest in feed ingredients for cattle and really connecting co and byproducts from the human food chain and then upcycling it into ingredients for cattle. And so it really opened my eyes to the possibility of working with animals while also having getting to work in a production atmosphere. So a really fulfilling way to go. And so at the end of my undergrad, I figured I would take some time to figure out how I would proceed. And um, my advisor, who was my undergrad advisor, I asked her to be a reference so I could apply for a DHI milk technician role. And she asked that I stay for our master's and it continued on from there. And as I 
stayed in there for a master's. She had the intuition and foresight that feed additive research for methane reduction was going to become a really large field. And she encouraged me to apply to UC Davis. And that's really where it took me. So with the right environment and the right guidance is really where it got me and people seeing my potential, which is really fortunate. I'm really lucky for that. Um, and I'm very happy that I work in agriculture and really happy where it's brought me. So you touched on a, a few exciting things there that I want to circle back on. You know, feeding coffee grounds to cattle. I think that's a, a unique approach. And you're right, feed additives are, are certainly all the craze now. And it's probably helped get you your, your current position with Symbrosia. So can you highlight a little bit on some of the research trials that you've done? We talked about your your work in the dairy industry, looking at some milk sampling at UVM, but I know you've also had a lot of experience on the beef side as well as some additional trials at UC Davis. Yes, yeah, so my early research at the University of Vermont was focused around milk proteomics, so looking at low abundance protein profiles in the milk. And the reason why we were examining this profile was to give insight into how protein metabolism was occurring downstream in the mammary gland. So it was mostly um, downstream metabolism studies, and we would see how adding additives such as ground coffee or grape mark, which is the byproduct of wine, these are products that have a product called tannins in their t plant tissues, and tannins have a known effect on protein digestion. So at that time, we were studying how adding these tannins to the diet would be changing protein digestion in the animal and if that would be reflected in the protein profile. And additionally, looking for biomarkers and just further characterizing the milk proteome. I also got to work on protocols of characterizing the milk fat globule proteome which was developed by a lab mate, Richard Scuderi. And then I also developed my own protocol for rumen proteomics. And the reason why I was interested in rumen proteomics was because while we gain insight about population numbers and abundance with some of the sequencing options, bacteria and other gut microbiomes in the animal have the ability to have different metabolic pathways depending on what nutrients are available to them. So sometimes we're just looking at what populations are present in the rumen. It's not always accurately reflecting, reflecting what is going on in the rumen when some of these microbes have multifunctions. So by developing a rumen proteome uh, protocol, we were kind of looking at trying to target which pathways were each microbes taking at a time. So that was really exciting. Uh, it was a, it's a relatively new field, so knowledge was limited. But I went on with kind of the interest in rumen metabolism and that feed additive work and moved on to UC Davis, a PhD at UC Davis, studying specifically feed additives to reduce methane emissions. So it was very similar kind of set of research trials, except instead of just taking milk samples and blood samples, we were starting to measure methane. And that was very new to me. And it was a pretty involved aspect of these trials. I had only worked up with I had only worked with dairy cattle up until this point and I arrived at UC Davis and very quickly was pulled into a beef trial. 
So once you got to UC Davis, you know, you mentioned that was your your first experience with some of these speed additive trials and using methane. So I know you had the opportunity to use green feeds in your trials at UC Davis when you were measuring enteric methane emissions. How did that that skill set, that experience using green feed continue with you through the job application process? Um, help you with Symbrosia? Did you envision green feed being such a large part of your life when you were a grad student? Not at all. I definitely remember so many of my first experiences with the green feed and how much I've learned about it over time. I can definitely say at the beginning, I did not know the green feed would play such a big part in my research and career. <laughs> but it has it has only gotten become more fun working with C-Log and getting to see the new technology they produce and being there for all the improvements has been very cool to see and exciting to be a part of. They were still very much expanding while I was starting my PhD. So a lot of change was happening over the three years that I was directly using it. And really just because the methodology is so sound, I understand why it's becoming such a standard and the skill set of learning it has been exponentially um, positive from being able to help other graduate students from across the country, making friends that way with other graduate students, getting to work closely with C-Lock. Beat has definitely brought some fun collaborations and has helped me in my new position at Sombrosia for sure, especially when we have our eyes on the carbon market and verifying reductions. The green feed is the global standard, so we're very interested in utilizing it as much as we possibly can in our demonstrations to accurately quantify our reductions so we can further figure out our dosing methods. And really, that's really our goal is to work with it as much as possible, just because of its ease of use, able to put in a pasture as we work on that more, to becoming more hands-off every couple months, it seems, which just makes it more usable. Um, I recently put on a pasture with 24 steers and peppers that are very unfamiliar with it and they are all very much acclimating to it and so I'm always impressed and not every group of animals is the same but it's been really exciting to see how easy it is to collect samples. You certainly were one of our early adopters for green feed and you've been with us from the beginning. You've got to see the, the evolution of the machines, upgrading sensors, upgrading to the new auto recovery and auto calibration systems. And like you previously mentioned, you were have been able to use green feed in, in both beef and dairy trials, an upcoming grazing trial. You are a certified green feed user. Do you have any tips that you could tell our listeners for, for any trial setup just from, from your experience? I mean, the main tip I would give is when in doubt, call. That was probably my biggest, <laughs> you know, as I was growing with the company, I always tell Meredith that I didn't realize what a support team there was and how you could just call when there's problems. And oftentimes I would just try to troubleshoot on my own and I probably wasted time doing that, just call them. They're all so helpful. And that would be my number one tip. Another tip would be to try to use the least dusty feed possible in the hopper. That will save you time with the filter. That was really something that I enjoyed making a switch from. I can't always make the switch, but I really like using um, 
something like rolled barley instead of alfalfa pellets, just depending if the animals like it, just because of the filters. And allow as much time for training as possible. Overestimate rather than underestimate, even if it's having to delay your start date. Give yourself more than two weeks. Um, not only do the animals have to be trained, but sometimes if it's in a confined setup system where you're going to be going in with the animals, they need to get used to you. And so allowing a lot of time for training will definitely pay off in the end. Follow-up question with that about animal training. In your experience, do you think beef animals or dairy animals are easier to work with? It's hard to, I'd say my steers who are housed in groups perform relatively similarly to my dairy cows. When my steers are housed individually and then they're like moved to be sampled, they're very bad for dairy cows. But I think that's probably just because I, that is like my species of choice and I can go behind them and I just push them into the green feed. I can't really do that with the steers. Some of them by the end of the trial, I totally can touch them and push them around. <laughs> but the dairy cows, I can <laughs> push them and get a sample from them. <laughs> I could have guessed you were going to say dairy cows. I'm looking at some pretty Holsteins on the wall behind you. A couple jerseys too. <laughs> um... It sounds like you're you're making this a sales pitch all about green feed, Mallory, but we really want to hear about you too. So you're now in transitioning from kind of this role in academia as a PhD student and now really joining the agriculture industry in your role at Symbrosia. What led you to, to this position and what's been most rewarding so far? Sure, yeah. It's been a really fun and interesting and rewarding transition. I've been really pleasantly surprised along the way, and a lot of that is due to the company culture that I went into. I'm really lucky. Um, the culture is just great there. Even though I'm remote, I feel very much included in the team. There's lots of touch points. So that transition itself has been nice. Um, Kind of finishing the PhD at the same time as work is, has been a challenge, but what led me specifically to the role at Symbrosia, I knew I wanted to continue in the methane space of agricultural research. Primarily, I am interested in cattle and nutrition, but at the moment, I still want to remain in this field specifically. I've worked with a lot of different additives and I had a chance to consult uh, independently a bit of my PhD and worked with red seaweed and I saw firsthand how effective it was. And after seeing how so many additives weren't effective and really seeing this direct anti-methanogenic feed additive work so quickly was really remarkable. It really is as surprising as it, as it sounds. and. I want to continue. I just really wasn't ready to leave that space yet. I really wanted to see where we can go with this. I wanted to see it through. Um, and there was a few different places you can go for, you know, working in seaweed. There's Future Feed, who is the patent owner of Red Seaweed. And then there's essentially many licensees who are the ones who grow the seaweed. And I chose working with Sambrosia uh, because I was really interested in the dynamic. Sambrosia is mainly a group of cultivation specialists, uh, seaweed, macroalgae researchers. So there are this whole team of researchers down in Hawaii growing seaweed, trying to figure out the best strains, building seed banks, doing all of that. 
And now they were starting to transition into like, okay, now we're growing this plant. Now we need to figure out how do we get it on the farm? How do we assess at what level is it safe? What is the effective dose? And they were really looking to add to their team someone who has that on-farm research with maybe more of the product side, animal side of it. Connect with producers, help with these demonstrations. And it's honestly, it's very similar to what I was doing in my PhD and I have really enjoyed it so far. I've already got to travel a little bit with them to go on demonstrations um, or start a demonstration with Greenfeed. So on top of getting to meet all the different people with Greenfeed, I have also done Greenfeed measurements in some of the most beautiful places, I would argue, in the the country, off of the coast and like in wine country, looking over the ocean off of Highway 1 is a previous one. And then this past one is up in, you know, the the northwest part of the country and beautiful beautiful mountains and getting to travel and help a producer who is interested and interested including uh, our product seagrace specifically the asparagopsis taxiformis which is the red seaweed into their farm and we can help do these demonstrations so i have a little bit of the traveling and doing the hands-on work still but also working on the side of regulatory figuring out what we need to submit to the FDA for approval of red seaweed. Um, It is approved in Australia and the European Union to feed for methane reduction, but we don't have that approval specifically yet in the United States. So a lot of my role is figuring out what research information, even beyond just cattle research, needs to be conducted to prove whatever is needed um, and also make sure, like also ensure that we know all the safety issues and that we know the dosages. So I get to do a fun mix of things and working for a startup, I think has, you get to wear a couple different hats and work with a lot of different people. And I, my team is very fun. So I, it's been enjoyable so far. It's great to hear that what you're working on at Symbrosia and the, the fast-paced environment, we're really looking forward to seeing what's going to start to emerge with, with those industries. You hit on a, a few kind of hot topic buzzwords that I want to explore a little bit more. Carbon markets and the, the regulatory monitoring aspect associated with methane monitoring. What role do you envision um, any kind of methane monitoring, whether that be uh, SF6, head chambers, green feed, playing a role into just the validation of these carbon markets? I think all of the measurements will definitely play a role into building our understanding of reductions as long as they're performed accurately, because ideally, and You know, for cases where a producer is smaller and can't afford having methane measuring equipment, to be able to have models and factor and equations to predict whatever their methane reduction would be. Methane measuring equipment will be imperative to validating what reductions are possible with given additives and given diet settings and given species and given breed, because there's a lot of variety in feed additives and management changes can affect how effective an additive is so this equipment needs to be accessible in such a way or understand be able to be usable so people can monitor accurately the reductions with your upcoming research trial in the um, northwest 
Why did you choose to incorporate green feed into that? We chose the green feed specifically because this is a pasture trial and we needed something that was going to be a little less labor intensive. Um, this is a collaborative project where we do have academic partners, but it's not at a university where we have people on site every day. It's something that's a little bit more intermittent, a little bit less involved. And the alternative to having green feed that monitors passively 24 seven, it would be taking checkpoint measurements um, with maybe a methane sensor. And so having the ability to get a green feed for this study will be really, really helpful because it'll actually be the first time that seed grazes is measured with a, with a green feed. We haven't run any trials uh, previously that we've used the equipment and I'm really excited because the sensitivity of the green feed is much improved. And so this is a, an exciting trial for us just um, with the first use of the green feed. And so that was another reason we, it is more of a standard given it's the mass flux uh, methodology versus concentration. We just know that it is more beneficial for us in the long run to have that information. Really exciting to hear about the, just the application of, of green feed and some of these on-farm studies and in investigating novel asparagopsis research. I think that's pretty common for students that are in the animal science world. Later, you described finding research. What advice would you give to students who are specifically interested in your current field of study? If anyone's interested in this kind of field of study, I would definitely say if you're an undergraduate, reaching out to labs within your university that are agricultural focused. That is the best way to get in. Working with a professor who is running research projects, looking for help, that's the best way that you're going to learn. I don't know if there's much other way you can get into research rather than start just jumping right in with those trials. It can be a little overwhelming and it's really a different type of world, but uh, it's about reaching out. And so simple emails to professors indicating your interests. And that is how I got in. And I think whenever I have undergraduate interns, they're always shocked about the possibilities of animal science jobs outside of being a vet, which is really what was the realization I had. I mean, my, my goal is really just to be around animals as much as possible. And that your first, when you're growing up, that's being a veterinarian and love, we need all the good veterinarians. And I really appreciate them, but I just, I got to a point where I knew it wasn't for me, but I definitely knew I wanted to work in sciences and with animals. And I'm, I just feel really fortunate that I came into this very niche part of the industry because it's been really fulfilling and fast moving and fun. And I'm just learning a lot and I'm getting to work with some of my favorite people. But it's a small industry, get, you know, it's just really fun and having a good time with it. So I really recommend it whenever I have my undergrad interns, I really encourage them to consider research, but obviously very so supportive about pursuing that school. And I always love writing those recommendation letters as well because I have pets and I still need good vets. So I never, I don't like to discourage people from checking that route out, um, but I also encourage checking out the other options and they exist. You're right. You're not only a, a, a great scientist, Mallory, but you do a lot of animal rescuing just for, for fun. What kind of animals do you have at your house right now? I have so many at my house. In this room, I have my foster German Shepherd who's five years old. He's looking for a home. I have seven chickens in here. Well, they're chicks. 
The coop is being built outside. There are four kittens that I found at this feed store when I was trying to buy chicken feed that just were too young to go out. So I volunteer for the Feral Cat Coalition and they said that they'd spay them and vaccinate them. So I'm fostering them, trying to make all my bridesmaids adopt them. <laughs> and then I have also have my own greyhound and three cats. I think, and I think that's all of them. So, and then I have like a giant fish tank. So I definitely am, I feel like I am very close to living my dream, which is just being surrounded by animals. It's like I, I have my little, little office that's going to be looking out to the chicken coop and then working remotely with cows and just, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Pop question here. What are you really excited for in this animal agriculture, specifically um, methane mitigators? What's what's on the forefront? What excites you? I'm really looking forward to further investigating and getting more research on these methane mitigating additives. I think they're still really early on in their research journey. We still don't know a lot. And I think there's still a lot of exciting news on the forefront. Uh, specifically, I think finding out co-benefits of the additives, whether it's improving production and profit for the producer, or if it's improving the final product in some way in terms of quality or sensory. I'm just really excited to see what's out there because as we know, cattle are super dynamic and really anything can be possible. So I just, I'm really enjoying learning in this field and getting to help others learn and learning more from people who know more from me all along the way. It's exciting. So much coming ahead with aspects of, of rumen health, plus reducing environmental footprints, improving production intensities. And we're excited to be working with you and Sombrosia on this journey. I know you're busy and I won't take too much of your time, but I appreciate you speaking with me today. Yeah, so it was so great talking to you, Meredith. I had a blast. <laughs> Wow.